Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Um, We're so excited for today's guest. She was someone we'd been really excited and hoping we could get on the podcast for a while and not even a little bit disappointed. She was just like this conversation with her was everything we knew it would be. You know, it's funny when you like know people, but don't like know, know people, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, we both know her in our own way, um, personal experiences, but almost like peripheral, right? Mm-hmm. And um, obviously we know her from what we see her social media persona, but uh, you know, my, my partner has a relationship with her and their friends and, you know, you've had your own personal experiences with her. And it was like, more than I could have wished for in the Mm -hmm. sense of like, you know, when you meet people and you're like, damn, like I could have a beer with you. (laughs) You know, that's always like my judgment call. Like, I don't know. That's always like, I can have a beer with this person. And I definitely took away from this conversation. Like she's one of those people for me anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you know, me and my like deep introverted self. And I, it, for me, a lot of times it's like people that I can just like drop in and feel like really safe with really yeah. quickly that there's no pretense, there's no small talk and that they're almost like space holders. And that sort of allows me to like exhale. And I feel like that's like the sensation that has always come up with Mary Beth, even like in her writing and even in the way that she is like um, in the world, there's just like a real safety in her presence and like you and all of your humanity are okay here and welcome with her, you know? Well, and she's funny. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that you actually don't necessarily get from a lot of her writing, right? Because her, I mean, so sometimes obviously it's per her personality, but um, I think for a lot of us, like sometimes when we're writing and we're, we're in that space of like vulnerability and sharing ourselves, you know, that those little quirks of our personality don't always come through. And so what I actually probably enjoyed most of all was actually how funny she is as a person. Yeah. Um, and I think that lends to her ability actually to make people feel safe around her. Yeah, we really loved her. (laughs) Yeah, this was awesome. I hope you guys enjoy this one. are so excited about our guest today, someone we both just really love and admire so much. Um, we have Mary Beth LaRue with us. She is a mentor, a yoga teacher, a writer, and creator of Embodied by Mary Beth which is um, embody-based offerings, which include virtual classes, um, slow flow, teacher training, and online programs. Thank you for being here, Mary Beth. Thank you. So happy to see you both. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were just before we hopped on, we were just talking about the last time we all saw each other, which is funny because it was like pre-COVID days and there was crowds of other humans, which now feels strange. <laughs> and you, you have since and people don't have masks on. I'm like, wait, what's happening? That happened to be the other day. I was at a store and these two girls, they were like definitely high school girls and they thought they were super cool and they had the masks like pulled down. And I was so like, it was so jarring. And I like found myself stepping really far back. And I was like, God, this is really changing like the psyche of how we show up with other humans. Oh. I'm working oh. on smiling with my eyes a lot. I'm working mm-hmm. on squinting. My wrinkles here have increased tenfold. I'm all about it. 
because I'm like, I'm smiling with you. <laughs> I love it. Well, Mary Beth, I was telling Vanessa a story before you came on and I wanted to share it with you if I can real quick, just because a little bit of why you're so dear to me. Um, so you and I met several years ago, almost 10 years ago. And um, shortly before I met you, I had just gotten sober. And, you know, anybody who's ever been sober, I talk about my sobriety journey a lot on the podcast, but you are just like in this deeply awkward, struggling through, you know, doing life. Um, phase. And I was teaching yoga and like, sort of like contemplating if I wanted to continue doing it and really feeling like I sucked as a yoga teacher at that point. And I remember that you came to my class and I was like, oh my God, this girl who I just like really admire and love her writing. And of course she's in my class now and felt like so intimidated and scared. And you were so lovely such an angel. You, um, you like blogged about my class after, and I got to tell you for me, it was like a God shot moment. It was like, keep going. You're going to be okay. And so I just feel like you are such a sacred person in my heart for that moment in time in my life. And I've never gotten to thank you for that, but thank you so much for that. And thank you for being here to chat with us. Wow. Definitely receiving that. Thank you. You just brought this to my eyes. So I remember it. I remember, I remember how wonderful it was, how welcoming everything. So mm. made me cry. <laughs> oh, well, I've been very excited to get to tell you um, about how much that meant to me. And, you know, we're both from a really similar area of the Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. You're from Council Bluffs, right? I'm from Glenwood, which is nearby. Yep. Like okay. 20 minutes away. Okay. Well, I'm from I'm Omaha. Like- so um <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we would love to hear a little bit of your story and background and how you came to be like this like powerhouse yoga teacher that we all love and just a little bit about your story if you'd, you'd tell us. Yeah, um, so I grew up in a tiny town in Iowa called Glenwood, as we just said, and it was a town of 5,000 people and my dad ran the drugstore in town, LaRue Drug, that his grandfather started and my mom was a teacher and taught special ed. And I, you know, I had a pretty amazing childhood of like skin knees, running around, chasing fireflies, coming home for dinner, running pretty wild as a kid. And I am so grateful for that. And it's one of the reasons we moved to Colorado was to have more of that experience for our son. And I fell madly in love with writing. And so starting in third grade, despite the fact that I was already labeled quite a dork, I decided to make a gazette for every grade I was in and I would handwrite it and obsess. And then I would get enough printed and I would hand them out to every single kid, which most of them did not want my gazette. And I, yeah, I, I just remember being like so creative and I really didn't care what people thought of me. And then as puberty hit, I started to care and I started to dim my light and I started to get quieter because I didn't want to be harassed or made fun of or found out. And I would say I I carried that with me um, for a long time. And I'm sure I still carry layers of it. Mm -hmm. And, but what I've really found um, in the last several years is like getting back to that, like unapologetic self of, Mm -hmm what feels satisfying, what's creative, who do I want to be around and who do I not want to be around? Mm -hmm. And um, I think growing up in a small town gave me that insight of like what it is to um, 
to shrink mm-hmm. and to be, to be scared of who you are. Mm-hmm. And then coming to the yoga practice. So I studied journalism in college. I worked for National Geographic Traveler out of college. And um, I was feeling really depressed having left Iowa City, which I loved. It's where I went to school, rode a bike everywhere, worked for the newspaper in college, bartended. And I all of a sudden was in an office and it had no windows. And that was devastating. (laughs) (laughs) And I would go get coffees a hundred times a day just to leave the building. And so I found yoga then out of absolute necessity, like scared of my mental health, scared of how I was feeling. And, and it really was my first true understanding of like being disembodied. Mm -hmm. And so I, I found yoga then and signed up for a training. And I would say that paired with continuing to write is what really like brought me home to myself. And so I met you both in LA, which I, I lived there for 11 years, met my husband there, met Rosie, our English bulldog back here on the bed, and then our <laughs> son, Angel, who we adopted. And so that journey to California and then teaching there and, and growing and also finding what I liked and what I didn't, what I, what brought me alive and what didn't, um, was really important, especially before this move to the mountaintop. Mm. And so I'm curious for people who hear you talk about embodiment and don't really have an idea of what that means. Like, how did you have a sense that you weren't embodied when you started in this job and then like shifting into a space of embodiment? Like, what did that look like for you? This, the same, it looks like now. I mean, I'm a Virgo. I can be really in my head. I can be really critical. I can be really type A. Um, my, my friend who's an astrologer said, I'm on this earth this time around to, um, really heal my addiction to certainty. Like, well, foster care and the pandemic hopefully did that, <laughs> but, um, disembodiment for me is, um, first of all, the way it shows up is I actually get blurry. Like my vision mm. is blurry my head is blurry. I can't put thoughts together. I'm certainly not creative. Um, and then reactive, I would say I'm defensive when I'm disembodied. Um, I'm easily overwhelmed Mm. by anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I've come to define embodiment as is, is to be deeply present for direct experience. So it's, it doesn't mean if we're looking at a preference of what we prefer or what we don't, which I've already referred to a couple of times, it's not that it's, it's present to whatever it is. So often with our son, that would be, you know, moving through foster care, things that I didn't necessarily want to be there for Mm. that I wanted an escape from, but being deeply present for that experience meant that I one don't abandon myself because there's embodiment there. And then on the other side, there will be some freedom. Mm-hmm. by by staying with myself through something uncomfortable or if it's something joyous there's freedom on the other side of that too mm-hmm. so I, I think embodiment for me is like nourishment and sustenance but mm-hmm. nothing's required except being here I'm like sitting with that because I, <laughs> I, I'm taking it into like for myself but also thinking you know what a powerful um 
way to describe it to people who like Danae said, might be like, what does that mean? You know, what is embodiment? Um, and I love that. It's almost like, can you take what Mary Beth just said and actually put that into practice in your own life? Like, what would that look like for you? Because I think for all of us, it is going to seem different, right? Like we're not all going to get fuzzy, but I know that for when you said the, the kind of idea of like being maybe like irritable or, or short, or like for me, I was like, oh yeah, there it is. You know? Yeah. I was just telling a friend, like when I drive, I, my son goes to a little school in, in downtown Evergreen. And when I drive back up the mountain, even if it's like 20 degrees, I roll down the windows a little bit. I'm always like, I put on music that I love. I usually have a hot beverage. And then I just did the smallest shift that I don't park in the garage because I love parking outside and like taking a moment to like take in the mountain to sit mm -hmm. and then walk inside and like be outside. And I know it, it might sound silly to people listening, but like that simple shift is just like, okay, these are the small things I can do to remind myself as well that I have choice mm. and that it feels good. Mm. <laughs> That's like, that feels good to me. So that can be a simple shift of like giving yourself a break outside or enjoying your English muffin drizzled in honey or whatever it is, those moments of embodiment too, like remind me why. I enjoy my life. And it's a slowing down, right? It's a reminder to us that so much of our life is spent rushing that mm -hmm. we, we will miss it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not silly. It's like, when you say that, I mean, I teach this in some mindfulness classes. It's like, it's not about, and if you've got the time, fantastic, do your thing, but it's not about sitting in lotus position for 20 minutes every morning and meditating. It's yeah. about actually weaving that into your life, right? Yes. These moments of mindfulness, kind of sprinkled or drizzled like honey <laughs> through mm -hmm. life. And that is really how you, you slow down and you enjoy mm -hmm. what's going on around you. Absolutely. I feel allergic to like hustle culture and, mm -hmm. and the rushing, like that's, that will take me out of myself so fast. Yeah. But I also am married to someone who loves to move fast. My best friend moves really fast and I <laughs> love them to pieces. It's just like knowing your rhythm too. Mm. And like mine's real slow. <laughs> well, tell me probably why you actually are attracted yeah. to people like that too, right? Like they probably yeah. push you when you need to be pushed and challenge you when you need to be challenged. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so struck by how much of parenting is about what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear more about your journey with your beautiful little boy. I feel like our, our sons are really similar in age and you taught all of us, Mary Beth, so much about how to do uncertainty. Like I will cry thinking about how many times I would read something you wrote as a mama, like with a boy really similar age, just sobbing and the grace with which you held all of that. And um, I just, oh, I can't say enough. It makes me emotional thinking about it. I mean, I, I reread some of the things I wrote and like, I'll, I'll tell the story, but like him being only a few days old and writing this stuff. And I'm so grateful to that version of myself that I did. Mm. But I also now, sometimes I'm like, who were you? How'd you mm. do that? And knowing that we all have that in us, like mm. never in a moment would I have thought like I could move through what I did and what we all do, mm. but you just do, right? We've all been through like super hard shit. You do. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, briefly, I mean, Matt and I, my husband decided to foster and we were really, we really wanted to adopt. And so we went through extraordinary families in Los Angeles. And prior to that, I've talked about a lot. I didn't really think I wanted to be a mom. 
sounded stressful. It is. For my uh, introverting, which is really important to me. Um, but once we heard about foster adoption, and now I would say foster care in particular, like a light just went off in me that mm-hmm. really like I sped through that program at Extraordinary Families in the most Virgo type A way possible. So fast. <laughs> Matt was like, you can't win foster care. I was like, <laughs> prove that to me. And I'm going to win it. I always watch me. You still wouldn't have a kid if you were filling out that paperwork. You'd be really glad. Matt would still be like, oh, I'll get to the doctor's appointment. So within, we started the process in July and by December, our son at the time who we were to foster was born Mm -hmm. and we got a call. I got a call. He was six days old. Didn't know his name didn't know anything, mm-hmm. but that he was at a hospital and he needed a family. Mm-hmm. And so we went, I drove home, I called Matt and he was like, we're not supposed to say yes to the first call. That's what everyone says. You got to just like, wait and feel it out. I said, that's not based on fact. That is based <laughs> on experiences of other people. <laughs> and I just felt it. Like I yeah. just, whether he was going to be with us forever or not, like it was a soul already like a soulmate thread or Mm -hmm. or bond. And so I drove home like shaking from Venice to Silver Lake, which you guys understand. And then, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I took the car seat out of the box, drove to the hospital, went into the wrong hospital, had to go into the next hospital. And I look at these pictures of us too. We already look shell-shocked. Like I'll send you the picture, (laughs) Matt in particular, his hair is like this, his beard is like this. And um, yeah, walked in and, and met Angel, um, mm-hmm. who at the time was baby boy and then his biological mom's last name. And we actually weren't able to bring him home that day. Um, he needed to be tested for some things and I wanted to sleep at the hospital. And the nurse was like, you need to go home and sleep. Like, not only do you have a new baby, you're a foster parent, like you mm-hmm. have to go home. Mm-hmm. And so went home and thought about him all night, obviously next day came back and, um, brought him home. And, and so that began a journey that lasted two and a half years. Um, the beginning, everyone, everyone we talked to was like, wow, this is going straight to adoption. Like we've never seen it move this fast. Hmm. And so really the first couple months with the exception of all of the appointments you have as a foster parent, um, it was not disrupted by much like. I got to have like this new mama feeling and insane bonding. Like he's like an appendage. (laughs) I feel like it still, still is. And, um, and then, yeah, we started to ride a roller coaster of him maybe leaving every two weeks and whatnot. And this went on for effing ever. Mm. And um, yeah, so navigating that, I guess, sure. It looked graceful. It was terrifying. I mean, I've never felt the feeling of groundlessness, which Pema Chodron describes it, which I love of like, I could not find the earth. And so I was using everything I could of like, okay, where's the ground? What can I trust? Okay. Today it's just like my inhale and my exhale and navigating that. But then at the same time being the happiest I've ever been. Mm 
of just like holding those two things and knowing that you can. I think a lot of us had that experience this past year of like these joyful moments of maybe like cooking at home and dancing to records and like letting your schedule go out the window, your to-do list, but then also holding like immense grief and fear and all of these things that come up. And I feel like foster care was that. And then this continuation of it, which doesn't mean it was bad. Mm-hmm. It means it was an experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I just had to keep coming back to that. I, I leaned heavily on the work of Byron Katie as well. Mm-hmm. And then my coach, Shelly Lawrence, who I still work with every month and she walked me through that and we would just take every thought and just tear it to shreds, mm-hmm. right? Turn it upside down, looking for something, some truth that would feel better. And um yeah. And so we adopted Angel in July and we moved to Colorado like the second after that we could. So we mm-hmm. moved here about a month later. Yeah. For me, I feel like so much of the grace was in the deep acceptance of all of the aspects of your humanity and mm-hmm. that, you know, you allowed for all of it, you know, like the roller coaster of oh my God, what that must've been for you and Matt. Like, um, and, and I feel like that the tension of the opposites that you're speaking to, right. Like is something we talk about so much that it can be these moments of both and that both things can be true simultaneously and how we hold that, right. Like how we don't need to like cling on to it being just one thing that we're defining this moment by that we are so nuanced and rich in these experiences. Mm -hmm. Right. Nuanced and rich. I love that. And that it was the opposite of numb. And that felt like a gift. Mm, Like I'd been numb for so long in so many ways. And I didn't even Mm. realize to what degree and that no amounts of mindless trips to target or matcha lattes that cost $11 or self-help books or whatever it was Mm -hmm. could bring me alive the way that this little child did. And to like awaken me, I would say he took me to a new level of embodiment um, that I wouldn't, that wouldn't have been possible otherwise, because there's no other love that is like the love for your child. I'm actually getting really emotional as you're saying that. Cause I'm thinking like, <laughs> I, I, I did not want to be a mother either. Like the, my entire life actually. And I was very adamant about it. Um, and what you're saying is it's resonating so deeply because it's like, what's coming up for me, I guess, is I wonder if for some people, um, there is almost a fear of that level of embodiment. Yes. There is a fear of being that present to the highs and the lows, right? Which is life. You don't get to just have one without the other. Um, and I, I know for me personally, you know, I've always kind of lived, it's very fight or flight. I mean, it's from upbringing, you know, there's a lot of that that lingers. Um, and it's this very like waiting for the other shoe to drop mm. living. Yes. And that's not living. Right. Mm. And, and I think, I think, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but what's coming up for me when you say it is that it's like this deep fear of living that fully. And when you surrender into that and you actually allow it to happen, I mean, it just blows your whole world open. Well, in this idea that like we're protecting ourselves from anything. Yeah. Yes. Like you're not. Yeah. It's either gonna hit, you're either going to live in relationship with the fact that everything you know to be true now is going to shift 
which is, it has to be, I have to be reminded of it every seven minutes. <laughs> right. And I do very much live in that, like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I have, to, I deal with that all the time of like, wait, this is good. Someone's going to die. Yeah. Or yeah. like, wait, this is good. Oh, that's going to be pulled out. I think the, this, the aliveness is really scary and confronting because it also shines a light on what could be missing or mm. where we, where we have, built so much armor we're like unwilling to go and I feel it now a little too like I I noticed this last year like I really struggled with my mental health in a way that I hadn't in a long time mm-hmm. and I I kept saying to my coach I was like I thought I did this work <laughs> <laughs> I, thought oh, famous last words. <laughs> I thought I graduated and she was like honey this is forever yep. this is what we do buckle up <laughs> so so true and that it is like the control that we think we have you know I feel like parenthood has brought this on such a visceral level home for me um it's just like the reality of what vulnerability really is because to your point there is no love like the love that we have for these little beings and then like simultaneously the experience of like and what if something happened to them like it's just like always so present you know and in order to feel that love, we have to also feel that deep vulnerability at the same time. There's no escaping it. Yeah. No, I, I had a call with my coach on Wednesday and I always think I have nothing to work on. I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know today. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about today. And I was like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing all my practices. I'm drinking my water. And then within seven minutes, I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, I was like, I think I have a, or, or no, this is how it happens. So Matt and I were standing in the kitchen and our bulldog's been like destroying all our new furniture and Angel's been crazy. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, someday it'll just be you and me again, like in the house. Mm. And I go, what? <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? It'll be like amazing. And I almost started to cry. I was like, no, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> You meant it to make you what? feel better. And you were like, wait a second. What? Yeah, he wants to be like romantic, running all these trips. And I'm like, Angel's going to move out. <laughs> and so I said to my coach, I was like, I think I have a codependency issue, which I for sure do. And, and uh, she goes, I think you're a mom. Mm. I think that's called mother. Yeah. I was like, I can't even go there. She's like, also three. So the fact that Matt brought this up over coffee is a little early. It's literally like we have 15 years to prepare. It does not, I mean, I was like, oh, well, that sounds like a lot of one-on-one time. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so funny. I was just like, wait, like, is there something wrong with me? And she's like, this is motherhood. I was like, Mm. really like these, this, it's almost like I grieve him as he grows. Mm. And it's that holding both of like, He's three right now. He's in underpants. He doesn't want to wear a diaper because he thinks it's gross. Like he <laughs> still sleeps with us. His mood changes every 10 seconds. He's so creative. Like, oh my God. Even this morning I said, Vominos, like, let's get to the car, Vominos. And he goes, my name is not Vominos. My name is Angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Cool. This is the <laughs> best age too. Like all of oh. a sudden it's like everything out of their mouths is hilarious uh, and like inappropriate too like <laughs> totally. won't even tell you what he told the barista at the coffee shop like, <laughs> yes. 
I think my sister was about three when she told the waitress at the diner that my mom can't drink milk because it gives her diarrhea. Oh my God. <laughs> and I remember my mom's face like, what did she say? And then the waitress was like, okay, so no milk for mommy. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thank you. No filter, no filter living. Nope. nope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's just such a deep awareness of what is sacred continuously because oh. you're watching them change so fast and you know even, you know, in this example, Matt is bringing you into that awareness, but we feel it constantly. They're mm-hmm. changing so fast and slipping through our fingers. And it's oh, like, yeah. yeah. Well, but you know, what's so funny is that then like John will make these comments where he's like, you know, you always say that she's, she's getting too big, too fast. He's like, and I feel the opposite. Like, I love it. Mm. I love how fast she's growing. I can't wait until the next stage. And I'm like, yeah, yep. yep. you're rushing it for me. Like pause. And, and he's, the opposite. I don't know if that's like just the mom versus not it's the mom. Mama. You know? yeah. yeah. Matt said he, he was like, I can't wait for him to be 12. Yeah. I was like, wait, <laughs> what? No. You're a lot. Yeah. 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 But yeah. we're so different. Right. And that's the thing is like that approach. And it is good because I am <laughs> all in. Yeah. Mm. And you probably would want to keep him like claws I, in, in the I nest. If, if Matt didn't occasionally pry your fingers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So will you tell us a little bit about what life and your programs look like in the midst of this very unique reconfiguring that we've all been doing? Uh, The reconfiguring probably fits the way I move through the world better than what I was doing prior. Like Mm. I love to be home. I, I also have found out that though I claim to be an introvert, I, value humans and connection in a way that I didn't even realize like Mm -hmm. I'm smiling with my eyes like even living in this small town in Colorado it's like I live for small talk walking through town especially with older people and there's there's real older people here (laughs) not like people have had a ton of plastic surgery or none at all like Like, (laughs) in Silver Lake I'm like where's like someone in like their 70s or (laughs) my favorite people (laughs) but um yeah I I had actually already started teaching virtually in October 2019 Mm -hmm. and I remember life kit came to me and I was like what a weird idea teaching Mm. I'll do it a couple of times and they sent me a big screen television so I could see all my students while I was teaching Mm -hmm. and I fell in love with it because mm. from doing Wanderlust and Rock Your Bliss and leading, you know, retreats and stuff, I have people all over who I adore, yeah. but like, you know, it might be like an Instagram back and forth or something like that. Like seeing them, their dogs, their kids, their coffee cups, their living rooms, like I love it. Mm. And so I started doing that. So that transition wasn't really a transition except that I taught more. Mm-hmm. and and then being on your mat right Danae that's like a different thing too <laughs> you're not, totally. you're not on your mat when you're teaching and I think because I teach like such meditative kind of dancey flow that mm-hmm. I, it's really nice to be able to like demo and have the beat in my ear when I work with a DJ so I, I would say I felt so many shifts, especially with leaving the city I've been in and now I'm up here, but because we're in the, what's it called on stranger things, the upside down. Yeah. It's all different. And mm-hmm. so 
having programs and seeing people on zoom has, has felt fairly normal, but I don't want it to become my hundred percent norm. Yeah. That's kind of what I was going to ask. Like, what do you see it? I mean, you know, wave a magic wand and COVID's gone tomorrow. I mean, how do you see it transitioning from here? Because I think what you said is actually really beautiful in this sense of, um, Ooh, it fed me a bit, right? Like this introverted side of myself is like, I love being at home. And it also woke you up to the realization of actually, (laughs) I do really love interacting with humans. Right. And I think it's done that for a lot of people, it's actually woken them up to things that they were probably not paying attention to before. Um, but all that to say, I mean, I guess, where do you see it kind of manifesting from here? I definitely see leading like local retreats. I love Colorado and I'm so excited about it. And so even our house alone, like I could lead retreats here and Mm -hmm. I want to build a platform up our mountain. We have this Mm -hmm. crazy view. And so to build like a wooden platform where I can lead meditation sessions or just hang out, whatever. And, and then trainings will definitely have an in-person component, but I see making it more accessible, perhaps keeping some of it virtual. Were you guys in the works with moving before COVID happened? Or was this like a decision because, Oh my God, this is great. So I was obsessed with Pasadena. I still love Pasadena a lot. You know, we're in Altadena. We you moved. are? Yeah, I we moved. Dina. Yeah, oh, I, we, I can see the mountains from here. Same. Yeah. Oh. Great. So yeah. I would escape LA sometimes every day. <laughs> <laughs> I would drive to Pasadena, which is so close to Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. I think it's 11 minutes to like the Intelligentsia on Col- Colorado Boulevard, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I would go there all the time and I, I fell in love with it. And I actually forgot we could leave LA. So I work virtually and can, and pretty much always have. And then my husband's job was based in Chicago at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I kept setting up all of these appointments to look at houses in Pasadena. And I was like obsessed. And I do, I love the architecture. I love, love it there. Mm -hmm. And he just didn't want to go. Like we went to one and then we want to go. So we're in Lake Tahoe. And I'm about to lose it. Like, I'm like, I need a vision. I, we're in the midst of foster care. I was like, I need to know where I'm going. Like, mm-hmm. I need that ground because I have no other. And he, we're in this hotel room because I was teaching for Wanderlust. And he's like, I don't want to live in Pasadena. And I was like, okay, so where do you want to live? And he goes, Colorado. And I was like, oh, and I go, give me five. And I like walked outside onto the balcony and I stood there and I was like, oh, I want to live in Colorado too. This is kind of how foster care came to be as well. I'm real quick when I decide. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we went back inside and we went to his friend's restaurant in Tahoe. We had all the windows down, angels in the back. We got like Ben Howard or someone playing in like the pine trees. And we decided, and we started a plan because we thought foster care was coming to an end. Either we were going to go to Colorado to heal Or um, if a miracle occurred, Angel would come with us. And so two years later, from that day, we moved to Colorado, basically. Mm. And so it was a long, long journey. And I'm positive my LA friends were absolutely sick of hearing about Colorado. I know they were. But it was the plan. And it really helped me get through a lot of the harder times with foster care, just knowing that there was a shift on the horizon. The time was up. Mm. you know well it's that knowing that the time was up yeah I love what you're speaking to which is it's funny we were talking about being mindful being present 
and talk about holding the tension of the opposites. You know, I, I talk with clients about this a lot because I'm similar. It's like, and having something on the horizon that feels like something you're holding in your hand, that's like you're mm -hmm. looking forward to, you're planning for, you're, you're making it happen is also important, right? Yeah. And you can be mindful in your planning and hoping for this thing. Um, it doesn't mean that you're like not living in the present, but but yeah, I think a lot of people that I've worked with anyway have almost felt guilt around looking forward to something like, well, that means I'm just wishing away the moment. I'm like, well, but can they both be true? Or, or that it's like hocus pocus. Like, yeah. wasn't like I was like sitting there like, I'm building my house with my mind. <laughs> and some people are really good at it. I'm just yeah. not. So, but, but Jackie, my best friend who's vision obsessed, she, I actually, we, a couple of times had to say to her, like, I can't hear about your vision for me with angel because it's mm -hmm. upsetting me because I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. And we were in Mexico, uh, March, 2019. And we had the retreat scheduled. And right before we found out there was going to be a court hearing, the angel might leave again. And this had already been, I mean, he's a year and a half old, like, and I had to go, I, this was my retreat. And so I showed up and Jackie was like unbelievable through the whole thing of like always with foster care, but Matt went to the court hearing by himself. And then he was able to get us rights that we needed in order to get a lawyer, which mm -hmm. was huge in foster care. You don't have a voice as a pa foster parent. You don't have any representation, which is understandable at that point in the game, I guess, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, Jackie took me down to the beach and we sat by the ocean and she goes, I just need you to be patient with me. And if you get mad at me, it's okay. And she described to me what an angel's adoption day was going to look like. And that there were going to be all these gold balloons and all the things that were going to happen and how she didn't care if I couldn't see it because she could see it and that she was going to hold it for me because she knew I couldn't. And then it happened. And then, you know, that was March and I went home and there was some other rocky territory. We had a court hearing in August. I testified and a year later we adopted Angel. I mean, such, a, I mean, I think about it now. I'm just like exhausted by the thought of it, but to have someone hold a vision for you and like, and not only that, not because it was like, it, it was out of such love of like, I'm going to hold this for you because I know you can't, mm -hmm. or I'm going to carry this for you because you can't. And I couldn't see it or hear it or envision it for so long. And I look now at that and it was so important, right? <laughs> so important to have that. <laughs> so for those of you guys listening and not watching, we're laughing because of the dog. <laughs> You have a 12 and a half English bulldog that gives zero Fs at any point. Well, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you get a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> laughing through our tears. Um, yeah. You know, I think God talk about someone holding space for you in the most loving way. And for those of you who like, if you want to experience magic and miracles and have a good cry go to Mary Beth's Instagram find oh, wow. the like video of when you oh, guys first introduced oh. I still cannot watch that without crying Mary Beth our, our best friend CJ made that and because it was oh my like, god 
Beauvais, like, you know, I, and what I pictured was like a court, I wanted to go like, thank the judge in person and all of our family was in a fly in and there'd be gold balloons. Instead, we were at a FedEx <laughs> signing papers and then, and then leaving and then waiting for a month to hear when the judge signed it. And for some reason, our judge was just taking his sweet ass time. And I got a call, I'm on Zoom and our lawyer calls from Alliance for Children's Rights, which is amazing if you're in LA and you ever need assistance. And she calls me, I have one minute till my class starts and everyone's in the class, but they're, I've, I, like, they're like friends at this point, right? And so I answer the phone and I'm on Zoom and she's like, he's adopted. Oof. And I start bawling, screaming, hot. And everyone's like, you don't have to teach. I'm like, I'm teaching. <laughs> this what I'm doing right now. This oh yeah. I need because otherwise I'm gonna yeah. go flying off the roof. Like my energy was manic. I was so <laughs> like, yes. So I taught a class and I taught the whole class. And then we're like running around the house and angels calling everyone on FaceTime saying, I'm adopted. <laughs> but <laughs> it was just, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. But talk about embodiment. Like mm needing those grounding practices. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I need a minute. <laughs> I need a grounding practice now. Yeah. Right. Need some yoga. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And so how have you carried, um, all the lessons of that time, that experience into like what this last year has been, um, for all of us, but they're similar, they're similar lessons. That's what's so cool is like, you know, every, I just talked about this the other day of like, every time Angel had a court hearing and they would say like, pack a bag, we don't know, like, because he could have a court hearing and then leave like two hours later. Mm. And so what I would do was fill our day with all the things we love to do together. And so like, I took mm -hmm. him to Echo Park Lake all the time and I'd wear him because he was still really little then. Oh, the best feeling ever, a baby hug. And um, and these things that I would do, and then he would stay. And so what I started to ask myself, and this was a big thing with embodiment as well, is like, why are you doing these things on one day? Mm -hmm. Like this is it, like no one knows. Like it's yes. like every day is a court hearing and no one knows who's gonna be around by the end of it. So like, mm. why are you not doing the walk? Why are you not having the bubble bath? Why are you not giving him chocolate when he wants it? Like whatever it might be, why you're not giving you chocolate when you want it. Yeah. <laughs> and so whatever it might be like savoring. And I felt the same in the pandemic. I would say I came up against myself in a different way with the last year of um, feeling more stuck. Of like, oh, okay, if I can't leave, then it's just me here. Full-time mom now, which is new and not, I don't want to be full-time. <laughs> That's clear too. Thank There's a speaking to that. <laughs> no, thank yes. you. Yep. No, thank yeah. you. But, but really like, okay, I have to get up at this time. I need to take a few minutes to breathe. I cannot get on my phone before this time. And I would notice, and I almost felt too, I don't know if you guys had this, like in every other day, I'd have like a good day. Mm. And then I'd have a day where I got sad. Mm -hmm. And I'd have a good day. And, or I think I was going to have a great day. And then I would watch CNN or something and watch like my 
just, you know, come unraveled. And so, um, I think the small things of like talking about the honey on the English muffin or parking your car so you can walk in, you know, and have the fresh air instead of in a dark garage or roll down the windows, even if it's 19 degrees, like those little things, stringing together those moments to make a full day and stringing together those full, those moments to make a full life is, is what I've really taken from, from both. Love it. Uh, yeah. Thank you Dan- for that. Danae always says, you know, <clears throat> none of this is promised. And I, and I repeat that a lot. You know, none of this is promised. Yep. Yeah. I can't wait to get fully dressed and go eat sushi in a restaurant. And I can't wait to go to Red Rocks and listen to the live music. I'm literally going to crawl onto my mom's lap and like without masks when I can, yeah. because, mm. you know, like that those things too, like the funny things of like wanting to go out to eat with my husband or, or give my mom a hug and my dad a hug and look them in the eyes while I can, like that feels really, really clear. Yeah. And that I would say too, I, I, the beginning of 2020, I was pretty heavily in comparison and wondering if I was doing it right or moving fast enough, or, mm. you know, if I fit the code of (laughs) yoga teacher, if I wanted to anymore, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so I will say too, like this last year, um, put things in massive perspective and like right-sized me with, with the universe of, okay, like, no, actually watching angel play in a park is more important than these emails or, or whatever it might be, you know? Mm. So many, like, it's just all the lessons. It's like, today and I speak about There's this. so many. I know. Yeah. And we speak about this all the time. And, and I'm sure there's some people who hear us talk about this constantly that are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The lessons of the pandemic. We got it. We got it. But it, it's, it is, I mean, it's, it's such a powerful lesson and yeah. lessons plural, right? If only we are um, brave enough, I guess, going back to what we were saying about maybe being afraid to live as fully as we can if we're brave enough to actually sit with and integrate those lessons. And I don't think we even have any clue. Like there's so much that we're still, that we'll be integrating where I think we're forever changed. I hope so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people aren't. I mean, I just saw this meme. It was like the Kardashians have been on more vacations in the pandemic than I've been on my entire life. (laughs) And I loved it. Like, oh, that's great. Because you, I'd say the meme game coming out of 2020. (laughs) The internet has like given me life. I mean, that's been the gifts. Yeah. 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 But, But no, I think that like integration and like we moved from living off the two in Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. Do we now live at 8,500 feet on three and a half acres? We're in a small town. Mm-hmm. We have winter. We have mountain lions. Like you know, there's this, all these new things. That <laughs> um, but what the mind does, I've found, is it just finds a new thing to get scared of or mm-hmm. around on. And so I had to do a whole session with my coach on wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> he was like you lived in silver lake with your door wide open walking <laughs> around nothing and and you had mountain lions there too but and, because, coyotes. and yeah and because of like what our mind does it's like okay what's next and so mm. walking that even with angel now it's like okay foster care's over but here's a small human who has my whole heart who walks around without any fear <laughs> 
right? So it's like, it's just watching that of like, this is what the mind does. Mm. It thinks thoughts, it spins stories, but I have the choice to be in my body. Mm. Yeah. I'm just so struck as I'm listening to you, Mary Beth, how much it's like this practice of like watching where we go and bringing ourselves back and watching myself go again and bringing myself back, you know? And I feel like I've listened to you write about and speak about your journey. And I've just been so like, oh, her bravery, you know, but I think, and that is true. (laughs) And I think that there is so much of like what we are all in denial of all the time, right? Like how sacred all of this is, how um, ethereal all of this is all the time. And we're just maybe not as like consciously having to face it and confront it. And I felt so deep in my body when you said, you know, what if every day was a foster day? And like, what if that is like the takeaway of this this year, you know, like, how do we want to live y'all? Like, what do we want to do at this time every single day that we have? Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm about as human as it gets though. So it's like, yes, you step up because you step up because you got to step up Mm -hmm. and you do it, but also like, you don't graduate from being human. Mm -hmm. So whenever someone, and I don't mean from what you're saying, but whenever someone's like, I could never do that. Or you're so strong. I'm like, no, you just, you you do it, but also you do return. It's almost like Cinderella is back in like her clothes from before. And it's like, oh wait, I did that. (laughs) How can I continually to step into, because part of me wants to like wrap myself and my family in cotton swabbing and lock us in a room and hope that like, we're never harmed. Nothing happens. Yeah. But like, that's also, like I said before, the gift of foster care was no longer being numb. Mm-hmm. But I'll watch myself of like, afterwards, I really like felt that of like, well, I don't want to do anything risky or scary or feel that way again. But then when I really got back to it, I'm like, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the most alive you've ever felt. And so what, what can you do? What, how can you keep stepping into this next, um, embodiment of yourself really like mm-hmm. yeah and you're going to you know get irritable with matt and probably yell and then you're yes. going to be embodied again and then you're going to you know swear when you stuck oh. your toe and then you're going to be embodied again oh yeah <laughs> the best is when i'm a real asshole and matt goes i can't believe anyone pays you to teach them yoga <laughs> I love that. I feel like I used to have people oh, say, like, shit. your husband just must love living with you. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I have no idea. It teach mindfulness and like time. presence and all this shit. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's about as real as it gets over here. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. amazing. Well, Mary Beth, we have um, some questions that we ask all of our guests. I love we that. can get into it with you. Um, who have been your greatest mentors, teachers, either people you know or people that you draw inspiration from throughout your journey up to this point? Okay. Uh, Angel. Mm. <laughs> um, Shelly Lawrence, my coach. Oh, right here. Alan Watts. Mm. I saw you post that the other day. I was like, ooh, I'm like book. really on it. Alan yeah. Watts right now. Byron Katie, mm. Emma. Um, humans I know. And then of course, uh, Jackie, my mom, um, 
Matt, Matt's taught me to like speak up and also mm. drop some of the Midwest politeness at times. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry is which he hates. He's like allergic to a, I'm sorry that you don't mean. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so so it's, it's good. He's helped me like step into living bolder and also to be, to be able to dance, I would say with people who have different energies than me. Interesting. Wow. Where is he from, by the way? New Jersey. Uh, I was going to say, he's got a bit of an East, Co- <laughs> as an East Coaster. He's got a bit oh, of an East Coast vibe. And no, it's funny. No, your, your man could speak to that. Oh my God, because he's so that. West Coast and I'm so East Coast. And it really is like a cultural clash sometimes. Yes. Like I tell this story, I'll, it's, it's funny, but I'll say it quick. Like we first started dating, it was like three or four months in and he was, we were kind of jabbing at each other and I was laughing and I go, oh, whatever, fuck you. And he goes, oh. and he like looked at me and was like, can we not say fuck you to each other? And I was like, <laughs> It's like a term of endearment in New York. Like, what are you talking about? But it was such a clear, like clarity moment for me where I was like, oh, we're like very different cultures. Oh, yeah. Well, and also I used to was like, oh. at the beginning, I'd be like, why are you yelling at me? He was like, I'm talking. I'm like, God says the same thing to me. He's like, why are you so loud? Why are you yelling? And I'm like, I'm not yelling. Yeah. I'm just talking. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so like, Uh, Okay. So the next question is, what do you do when you find yourself in flow? So how do you find your flow state? Quiet time, Mm. music, uh, Reiki, slow uh, yoga for me is always slow. So slow flow yoga, Mm. um, writing, reading people who inspire me, turning off my phone, being in nature, uh, any creative project, um, also to like planning an experience, not, not majorly planning. I'm actually like for being a Virgo, I'm kind of a failure in that area. Like I love spontaneity, but I like, okay, we're going to go do this in the mountains or have these people over for dinner. So creating an experience does put me in flow. Oh, and cleaning. Me too. I just, yeah, me too. <laughs> oh yeah. My friends used to give me so much shit. I had like a, when I could control nothing else in my life, they would come over and I would have on my cleaning outfit with music blasting and like, <laughs> it was a whole Lululemon speed shorts. There were Ugg boots involved. It was, but oh. I know, I know, oh, it was God. only for cleaning. That's amazing. Danae's like, nope, I do not resonate with that at all. I do not clean to feel relaxed. I don't even know what you guys are talking about right now. That's fascinating. You either God knows. Or you're like running in the opposite direction. He knows when something's going on because it's like the gloves come out and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the corner yeah. scrubbing something intensely. No. Yep. Yeah. No. Like, um, what breaks your heart, Mary Beth? Mm-hmm. I, I would say, well, a lot of things break my heart. Um, what I, what's breaking my heart a lot right now, I would say is judgment and like posturing, Mm. um, a lot of where I see people not speaking or if they're speaking, honestly, getting ripped apart or not, not, there's, there's not a lot of space for people to evolve. Like, I feel like it's like, figure it out and figure it out now and put it out exactly the way I want it, or I'm coming for you. And so mm-hmm. that, that has been bothering me a lot. And it's actually been hurting my own creativity mm-hmm. because I find myself like thinking there's landmines everywhere. Yeah. So I'm constantly censoring myself or even like, even 
you know, I get some real nasty comments about like adoption or things that I'm portraying. And I, I think that that really breaks my heart of like, and, and it breaks my heart for me too, that like, it's time to take the pen to paper mm-hmm. and also perhaps not be so outward with, yeah. with some of my own experiences and some of what I'm moving through. And then if there's a lot of other stuff that breaks my heart, what's going on the pandemic, foster care, racism. I mean, what we've seen over the last four years, I think for a lot of us, there's an innocence that's gone and needed to be gone Mm -hmm. in order for real change to happen. And I'm hopeful for our kids that we get to work so that they are in a different world, but we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. 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 Especially as three mamas with kid kiddos who are people of color, right? I mean, we're yeah. like setting up yep. the next generation. Yeah. 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 Okay. The last one's very intense. What's your favorite food? <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> You're like, I saw your face like, oh God. You guys, I'm real low brow in some ways. Tuna melt and nachos. Um, oh, okay. tuna melt is my jam. <laughs> It is literally no the go-to diner has- food. No, no, tuna melt okay. is my jam. You have um, Larchmont uh, or what bungalow? The bungalow has the Larchmont they bungalow, a- right? They have a good one. Better if you eat it there, though. Fred sixty two. What is it? Fred sixty two and um and really in Los Feliz. Bomb. You guys, there's no tuna melts in Colorado. What? Matt makes a killer one. Hey, if anyone's listening. <laughs> oh, tuna melt if they know where the tuna melt is i will drive <laughs> tell the girl where the tuna melt is in colorado she needs it for her that makes a mean one though but i because so. jackie's been there a while that she she hasn't found a uh, tuna no, melt for you <laughs> she's also uninterested oh, well. but yeah. nachos she has found me some good nachos so okay. but tuna melts have really taken over they were my comfort food for 2020 <laughs> <laughs> I do love a good tuna so melt. like you, v, you I know. Know. <laughs> yeah eating and uh tuna melts I probably lost a few here that are listening but uh <laughs> is on the same page tuna melt and mac and cheese like if I could just survive oh, on yeah. that all day I'm I'm golden oh. <laughs> is your little you know how what's she eating is she eating yeah she's eating pretty much she's everything an she's an eater oh. yeah she'll be a year in like two weeks so she's wow just consuming yeah. everything she can. I eat a lot of what Angel doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the mama thing. It's like, let she me does. just like clean up whatever. I just scraped like her it. plate like into my. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh, I'm well, so glad that we got you on here. You know. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I resonate and I hear what you're saying about like that push and pull about like what I want to put out into the world and like keep as sacred and like to Mm -hmm. myself. And yet I gotta say, Mary Beth, you are such a gift in the context of like a teacher and Mm -hmm. like just such a wise sage um, for all of us. So I appreciate so much what you have shared with all of us. I feel like it's really, um, been a gift in helping all of us grow into you know our potential of like sitting with uncertainty and so much more yeah so thank you for that thank you so much yeah um and where can people find you you want to give them that info so website instagram all the things they're all the same mary beth larue m-a-r-y-b-t-h-l-a-r-u-e uh website and instagram and yeah everything's there Thanks, Mary Beth. Thank you.
Ness and I are so excited to tell you about something we've been working on for a while now. Yeah, we've been, I guess, mulling it over and letting it, I don't know, come to fruition for many years, probably actually since we met. Um, yeah. And we're excited to finally be able to bring it to you. We met in grad school doing really deep inner work over long weekends once a month. And I think from the beginning, we've talked about the power in these immersive experiences where we come together in community and bear witness to one another in our stories. And we unpack some of the things that have held us back from living our most authentic life. And I think that's, you know, a lot of what both of us are really passionate about supporting people in doing. Yeah. I mean, everything that we do, I guess, from a therapy perspective, it all seems to ladder up into this, right? It mm. seems to ladder up into the work of, you know, questioning, why are you not living your most authentic life? You know, what are some of these kind of bad habits or false beliefs that you have that are keeping you from living your most authentic life, right? Like, do you even know what authenticity looks, sounds, feels like for you, right? Mm. Why, why not? I mean, we could talk about the shadow, right? We could talk about things that maybe we've kept hidden for our whole lives for survival. Um, there's so many ways into it, but yeah, I feel like authenticity is really the ladder um, under which everything we do falls. Yeah, absolutely. And so what Vanessa and I have done is we've put together a three-day immersive retreat experience, and we're going to do this first one virtually. So um, in this- COVID be damned. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing, you know, we're figuring out a way to connect in community. And I think both of us have been so inspired by the way virtual communities can still feel really, really connecting mm. and um, like a support supportive space in a way that maybe we hadn't anticipated when all of this began, right? Mm -hmm, totally. Yeah. So in this retreat, um, we're just going to be bringing together what are, you know, like a little bit of a fusion of both of our specialties, whether that's, you know, digging deep into the codependent tendencies that Vanessa is so amazing at helping us unpack or some of the work that I do around our tendencies to self-abandon. And um, it's also going to have shadow work and the ways that we look at um, our limiting beliefs and our spiritual bypassing and all of the things. There's just going to be so many ways that we bring together the things that we do that hold us back from living our most authentic lives and starting to see how we can break those patterns. Right. And because it wouldn't be Danae and I, if we didn't do this, we're going to make you guys move as well. Right. Because we are <laughs> avid yoginis and we both teach. That's um, right. And so there will be yoga. There will be somatic movement. There will be breath work. There will be guided meditation, all the things. Um, and also Danae is going to lead us Saturday night into some um, ecstatic dance, ecstatic movement, which she's super in right now. Right? I was like, I love how you make it sound like you're not going to be there dancing with I me. I mean, I'll be there, but I'm not going to be leading it. It's all you girl. <laughs> <laughs> you will be dancing. You will see Vanessa dancing. But yeah, there will be just a really deep experience of healing and community and coming together at a time where I think we both feel like we need it the most, right? Yeah. It will be a three-day retreat. It's going to be March 12th through March 14th, starting in Friday evening, going into Sunday. And um the name of the retreat is From Self-Abandonment to Inner Belonging, which feels so perfect in terms of the work that we both do together, right? Yeah, and that we're excited to kind of bring out there to you guys and like she said, build community around this stuff, right? So if you go to my website, vanessabennett.com backslash retreats, you'll see it there. It's the first one that pops up. It's going to be $79 for the full weekend. Like today said, starts Friday evening, goes through Sunday evening, you know, jam-packed 
just get a lot of time with us. Don't worry, we'll give you some breaks in between to integrate. Um, but we're really looking forward to it and we, we hope to see you there. We can't wait to get together with you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.